Yo, welcome back to the Tapehead Massacre podcast. I am Caleb. I am Tyler. Virtual, actually. Virtual Tyler Green here today. Yeah, coming at you live. We're doing things a little different today. Big time. Big, big time. Well, you know, um, you know, the last two weeks have been kind of fucking chaotic. I mean, that's probably putting it lightly to say the least schedules have been wild summer months kicked in hard not just in the weather but uh you know in work life you know and apartment life and errands and all that shit so we decided to do the virtual man i mean we did it successfully with joe bizarro so it's kind of nice to know we have the uh alternative if we have to pull it you know what i mean so it's been uh and i'm sitting in a in a dark dark dungeon in, in Salem County trying to stay away from this heat because I was not smart, did not prepare, and only have one AC unit in. And guess what? It's not in this room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tyler's over there dying. So he's 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 trucking through just for this podcast, just for this episode. It's called dedication, guys. You know, get get used to it, grow up. so last episode came out uh a week ago and it was just me rambling on about random shit wanted to keep up the flow of things uh but for this week we're gonna do things even more differently listen we're changing things up routine's awesome you know having a schedule all that's fun but we're changing things up on the regular we like to do that here that being said we were supposed to do dawn of the dead and we were supposed to do day of the dead well here we are we're together we're gonna do both of them in one episode so buckle the fuck up buckle up guys dawn of the day of the dawn of the dead dawn of the day of the day of the dawn dawn of the dead lots of dead (laughs) yeah exactly one quick question though speaking of weather right because i know well i'm pretty sure everybody is if the east coast is feeling the heat you can pretty much bet your ass that midwest west coast southeast southwest South Midwest, whatever you want to call it. And shit, probably over in the north. But I have a great question, especially for people in, the, in our listeners who have seasons in their areas. Caleb, I'm going to ask you this question, man. What do you prefer? Do you prefer insanely cold weather or insanely hot weather like we have today? Okay, so I think I actually thought about this like last year uh, when the seasons were changing, uh, like right around the winter time. You know, you have fall, which is like your, to me, that's ideal because it's like chilly. You know, you can, you can wear shorts and like a hoodie, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's decent. Now, obviously the weather's like completely out of whack and seasons are coming late or they're coming early or they don't come at all. So (laughs) there's a lot of like mixture there. I, I think when you're in a season, 
you're hoping and praying for the next one to come because you're tired of it. So like, you get a month of heat and you're like, fuck dude, this blows. You're like, I, I enjoyed the beach, I enjoyed the pool, I did that a couple times, and now I'm done. So now, you know, I, I feel like that's your mindset when you're in summertime, and then you get wintertime and you're like, okay, cool, you have like chillier weather, now you're like all bundled up, and like, you can go do yeah. things like camping, and like, there's just different activities you can do for like the wintertime, you know, if you're into skiing and shit like that. Um, a lot of those type things. However, you get about a month of that and you're like, fuck, dude, like, I wish it wasn't so goddamn cold. You know, yep. people's electric bills usually go up because of heat, depending on what it your heating source is. It hurts to go outside in the cold. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It's just like, it fucking like beats your face in. Yeah. And you're like, oh, <laughs> it's windy. But then it brings to a thing, too, is like, you're your attire, your day-to-day -day wearables, you know, that completely changes with seasons. So like, are you more of like a t-shirt shorts guy or are you more of like a hoodie and like pants guy? We're like me, I'm definitely hoodie and pants. So like the fall weather is definitely like my niche, um, my, my niche. <laughs> yeah, but, I get that. Yeah, that's, that's me. What about you? Dude, I, I mean, it's pretty easy for me. I never like aggressively hot weather. It's suffocating. It is like the most, and I don't know all my sweaty listeners out there. I I run hot. Like it doesn't matter. I mean, and granted, I'm like thirty pounds overweight from COVID, but you know, prior to that, even like I just run fucking hot, dude. It could be an ice storm, and I'm like, I feel a little back sweat. Like that's how it. Like that's how I always am. And dude, being outside today, it was I was just a fucking puddle, just a puddle of a puddle of mud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, put on my dude, and you're fucking. Everything was so blurry. Yeah, everything was just so blurry. <laughs> Uh, I mean, for what I do for a living, you know, delivery, driving for Amazon, I uh, definitely prefer the colder weather because, you know, you're physically active, you're out in the elements. Uh, mm -hmm. And especially this time of year, you know, you have like completely, you know, random, you know, rain, thunderstorms, you know, and uh, to be completely honest, like I would take rain over snow any day i mean granted for the line of work that i do the snow if it's bad we close so like hey free snow day for me but yeah. you know like the just dude like being out in the fucking rain is just so shitty and like uh just it sucks yeah, it like that's just like i hate that so like this time of year is like really like toss up man i mean and like i'm not personally like a big beach guy like the boardwalk's cool, like, if you go to, like, the water park and shit, uh, like, that's cool and all, but, like, I'm not one to, like, bake on the beach and, like, hit the water. Like, I feel like the last couple of times I've gone to the beach, like, something fucking terrible has happened. Like, I fucking, I had, a, like, a, a jellyfish, like, sting my ball sack. Like, that oh, was, shit. yeah, dude, that was terrible. Like, I was in the water, and I thought, like, I fucking just, like, pinched my balls the wrong way. And, like, nah, oh, jellyfish, wow. dude, my shit swelled up. I had to, like, pee on myself. It was a whole thing. That sounds like a B-rated horror movie. Yeah, movie, dude. Right? Yeah, Attack of the Killer <laughs> Jellyfish. Yeah, right? <laughs> they go for the nuts immediately. Yeah. But not, tell you what, dude, beach is overrated. I'm with you there. Um, I'm not a fan of... Well, I'm a pale person anyway, so the heat just doesn't vibe with me. I don't tan. I just burn. So I don't like the sun. I don't like sand because it gets everywhere. And I don't like deep water. Deep water, oceans, 60% of the ocean is undiscovered. So clearly there's a Loch Ness Monster 
in there somewhere. Dude, there's some shit Appreciate in the depths, that. man. Like, you want to talk about real hard. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's like, that's for real, for real. Like, that, that's a that's another pod. That's a whole other episode we could save that for. I could, yeah. I could spend at least an hour and a half on that. But, nah, man, I'm not about it. It's, you know, it just sucks, dude. And at least, to your point, the fall is kind of like the perfect middle, man. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's, like, perfectly in the middle. I am hoodie weather all the time anyway. I just like it. It's comforting. It's nice to have. Hoodie and joggers. So not even necessarily ho- hoodie and jeans, but hoodie and joggers. That's the move. Every oh, time. yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time. For sure. Yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm all about that. Well, the... Yeah, fuck yeah. And, like, speaking of, uh, speaking of the weather and things to do in the weather... We recently, I guess this kind of goes with the weather. It goes with my 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 weather change because I'm I'm a big iced coffee guy. Like I really like iced coffee. Um, so shout out to our new sponsor, Camp Crystal Latte. Yo, they are now supplying us with delicious beans and grounds. Uh, they have three different types. They have a media or they have a dark roast, a light roast, and then they have straight up espresso. Oh yeah, I bought that. Uh actually just came delivered as a matter of fact thank you can crystal latte came delivered to my house i think yesterday as a matter of fact came dropped right off i had uh, i got the uh, roasted in hell espresso uh and then a little can crystal latte mug to go with it oh, it's, it's got a pair it's a perfect perfect combination yeah. So all the listeners out there, if you're into coffee, if you're into hearts, the perfect combination for you, campcrystallatte.com. Use code TAPEHEAD at checkout for 15% off. Get yourself fueled and energized for whatever the fuck you're going to be doing out in the heat. If you need a hot cup of coffee or an iced cup of coffee, whatever the fuck it is, stop going to Starbucks, stop going to Dunkin', get yourself Camp Crystal Latte. That's it. Or fuck you. (laughs) Or fuck you, dude. Yeah, fuck you, bro. Yeah, fuck you, bro. <laughs> yeah, we're getting real aggressive with our ads, actually. <laughs> so we're just getting real in depth with that. Yeah, just start threatening people. Yeah, that's how we do it here. That's how we do. It. Well, you know, threatening uh, the living dead, um, and specifically dawn and also day of the dead. Um, you know, I so I know for you anyway. Between the two movies, between really the original trilogy of Romero, Day of the Dead is your baby. And I gotta be honest, I can definitely see why. By the way, oh yeah, um, dude, it's it's some of Tom Savini's best work, in my opinion. The gore in Day of the Dead is absolutely insanity. I remember seeing it when I was young, and just like the dismemberments and like the absolute fucking chaos that happens throughout that movie. Not to mention that it's actually a really, really good story and plot like it's it's a really really good story and almost all the characters are super super believable a hundred percent and i think we pause there and switch into dawn of the dead which to me so remember guys this is the first time i've seen outside of return of the living dead this is my first viewing of both of these movies and i can tell you dawn of the dead felt like to me caleb like I couldn't keep up with the storyline. Now, one thing I will say is I, courtesy of you, I took the DVD because I did not realize the absolute fuckery that is Dawn of the Dead and streaming and that it is nowhere uh, due to like, I don't know if it was copyright issues. I might be misremembering when I read about it, um, but there was a certain issue that they had at the time because of basically the agreement that they had made when they were going to make that movie. Now, 
if I were a great podcaster, I would have done my research before coming on and talking about this, but I'm off the cuff, baby. I'm, I'm having a heat stroke for my day at work. <laughs> but regardless, I, I thought that was super interesting given the fact that it's often referred to clearly there was a 04 remake of it so it had to you know push some minds there of you know the horror genre but um it was funny i had not played a dvd in at least five years at least five years and i was playing it from my wife's laptop and the fucking thing wouldn't play and i was like shit i was like is it the dvd is it the laptop dvd player that probably hasn't been used since we bought it three years ago like what's going on so I basically had to play it like chapter by chapter, essentially. That was the only way it would work. So it would play in like 20 minute like intervals. Oh my God. Stop and then I'd, it would pick me back to the the selection of chapters and I'll go to the next chapter. So that's how I watched Dawn of the Dead for the first time, at least the OG anyway. Oh, that's terrible. It was... Uh, no wonder it was, it was hard for you to follow. Dude, definitely discombobulating to say the least because I would like... First of all, I don't even know if that's a word, but, um, you know, yeah, it was, it was strange because, you know, I was, it was almost in its, in its own way distracting to some degree. But what I will say is I started to get in a rhythm. Uh, you know, once we got out of those initial scenes, it was hard keeping track of number one, um, whose character was it for Peter, Peter, um, and, uh, not Steven, um, was Roger? it Roger? Yeah, Stephen and Ro- or Peter and Rogers' um, crew, basically the mili- militia, military team that they were a part of when they were raiding the apartment complexes in the city of Philly. Philadelphia SWAT. Um, Philadelphia. Okay, so Philadelphia SWAT. Thank you. So I just thought they were like nameless, like police officers. They were in blue, and I was like, oh, maybe they're like a like a Secret Service FBI style of thing. Yeah, they're so not marked. Just- they're not. They're not. Which probably for obvious reason, there had to be some legality behind that. Because <laughs> yeah. <of> <laughs> <if> like, <laughs> you know, depending on how they even did the set back then, which um, I will say to kind of kind of interject there too. Going from Night of the Living Dead, and granted, it was a, a decades, almost a decade, if not a decades, difference between when Night of the Living Dead was released and when Dawn of the Dead was released. Yeah, ten years. Yeah, ten years. But you could just see the big change. Oh yeah. Right away, and not just from not necessarily a filming standpoint, but just a budgetary standpoint, I thought was the immediate thing that jumped out to me. But once I got the hang of like, okay, these are some sort of like, now Philly SWAT team raiding the apartment complexes. Um, you know, I kind of got a sense of like, oh, okay, like this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Um, you know, Francine, I believe is like some sort of, like, I don't know if she's like a producer on like a news set or, what her real occupation is and then steven comes in and he's just like and this is all within like the first 15 minutes and mind you i'm still trying to figure out how to watch dvds on the laptop old steven aka flatwood just comes in he's like we gotta get the fuck out of here <laughs> like it's time to bounce it's oh yeah game time. yeah because there's just you so know? much like pandemonium going on in the newsroom and like you have people that are like i gotta get the fuck out of here the news reporters are trying to like report news and like like go over the topic of like how to kill them and it's just complete yeah. chaos in there and you know flyboy is just like we gotta go i got a chopper on the roof we have a way out let's go yep and i thought it was interesting because night of the living dead it's such like a the news plays it plays an integral part to kind of understand what's happening outside of the home 
but it almost sort of plays sidecar to the rest of the movie and the rest of the storyline and the rest of the plot. Whereas this, Dawn of the Dead, starts you right into the place that you weren't in on the first go around. Which I thought was cool. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm sure some of that was intentional, to say the least. But It, it kind of feels like, even though they're 10 years apart, it kind of feels like when you end Night of the Living Dead, it, Dawn starts. I definitely, it, the intention, I, I would imagine, uh, it, it just, like, the, the transition is very seamless. Yeah, 100%, because it just, it makes you feel like, yeah, it's still sort of like 24 hours after Night of the Living Dead occurred, and you're just kind of, you're further east into PA, where you're out in Pittsburgh on the first one. Yeah. Right? And they're just kind of taking you into, like, oh, this is what's happening in Philly. You know, it's a pandemonium. There's a wider population than compared to the setting, world setting of Night of the Living Dead. And, you know, um, there's absolute pandemonium from the political pundits who were trying to basically corroborate and get the public rest under, you know, unrest, I should say, under control. Uh, there was one key moment in that opening scene that I thought was pretty cool. It was kind of eerie in, in, compar- in comparison to kind of what we're going through now. I forget. This is going off of a sun-soaked brain that I'm on, but um, they had mentioned something about like the government or politicians were trying to implement some sort of protocol in wake of what was happening. And there was like pushback from, I guess what was either the audience or the news film crew or whoever it was, basically on whatever the politician was trying to push, but I can't remember what the hell it was now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know. It was like something he was saying, the politician was saying, and they were like growing, like ever agitated with what he was like speaking about on the news set. Yeah, um, I can't I'm drawing a blank there as well. But yeah, you remember. I but. in that segment of everything, and it's funny because you, you know you mentioned the whole budgetary aspect of things, like noticing a very large difference. You know, we had ten years that went by in Romero's career, and you know, in that time, you know, he put out two pretty popular movies uh, that came out in 71 and one in 73, those of which were Season of the Witch and The Crazies. Not Halloween, Season of the Witch. Um, But uh, yeah, in 71 he did Season of the Witch. In 73 he did The Crazies as well as The Amusement Park, um, which I'm not too familiar with, The Amusement Park. Uh, I I remember the cover. It has like the the carousel on the cover, but uh, I I do know The Crazies, and that that was a big hit. So you know, Romero had some money coming back into this one and definitely, um, you know, he definitely went guns blazing, you know, pun intended, you know, because that's pretty much how the opening starts out. You know, you have like the the house raid or like the apartment raid where like the SWAT team comes in from the uh-huh. roof and they like go like level to level, like clearing out the building and like of like survivors versus dead and just like super, super like gory, like like gunshot type fights, you know, um, like a very survival. It's cool because like something like that scene and flash forwarding to like kind of now was um, the one film quarantine that came out. Um, I think it was like early 2000s. Um, and like it very much like the like there are a quarantine in an apartment complex or apartment building rather. And like all the floors are kind of set up the same way. And like each floor, yeah. there's like a different, you know, problem. It's kind of like reminded me of that, you know, or rather quarantine reminded me of Dawn of the Dead for that reason. And uh, oh, sure. yeah, you know, you have Ken Foray who plays Peter, you know, him and Roger played by uh, Scott Reininger. They are just clear in house throughout this building. And uh, there's definitely some like, 
uh, I don't know. The some of the soldiers are definitely like not thrilled about what they had to do, and whereas the other ones were just like, "Fuck it, kill them all." I don't care if they're living or not. Like the one guy just starts going fucking crazy, just like oh, yeah. firing off rounds on people and shit. Doesn't care if they're alive or not. He's just wiping them out. Oh yeah, no, and I thought that, uh, and that's kind of like the first glimpse into how Peter's character is going to be when he basically shuts that shit down and just like blows a hole through him, yep. rightfully so, because you just you know like the the whole idea of that police force gone mad type of deal in the, in those situations, and you know you get a good sense of Peter right then and there that he has he's a man of morals and a man of character, and again a very strong African American lead. That oh seems yeah. To be a- between the two movies which I think is pretty interesting given the time I mean you're, you're talking still late 70s still a lot of civil political unrest to some degree yeah. you know um, but I mean regardless though you know that's kind of where you get the first glimpse of who Peter's going to be or who he will be um, you know throughout the course of that movie which I thought was and then when he, and then you know prior to that maybe like minutes before that's where you get the great like head blown off scene from the gunshot when they kind of just kick through the doors and you're just like oh fuck like this is going to be a completely different movie from Night of the Living Dead yeah. and you know I think that's something that Romero probably did intentionally between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead is where it's like where this one lacked a lot of action I'm gonna just fucking dial it to 11 and just see what comes of it you yeah. know what I mean um, and they kind of fast forward the movie a bit because I know hey we're doing a double feature here right so um, I, I think once they obviously being Flyboy Francine Peter and Roger get to the chopper which I forget it's a little muddy there from how they from how specifically Peter and Roger get to be with Stephen and Francine. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were supposed to be, like, because I know that Flyboy said that, like, you know, he's got some um, I feel, I feel, firepower coming with him or something like that. He uses, like, a <laughs> no. term like that. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think you really see how, like, Peter and Roger get up there, but they get up there somehow. Yeah. And uh, they're met by other... Uh, militia guys who take a boat I've, I believe if I'm not mistaken they, they leave on a boat and then yeah. uh, everybody else gets on the chopper and, and heads out yeah and one of the things you and I texted about yesterday when I was watching it for the first time which I thought was very cool because you're about well, I don't know 15 20 minutes in it. and by the way this is a long watch people it's two and a half hours long I mean like Romero puts his time in there's not a, you can tell he didn't I don't want to say he didn't cut out a lot because he probably did to some degree, but it's a, it's a watch. It's uh you know you got to invest some time. But what I think is very cool about once they get into the into the helicopter and they start sort of going back into rural PA, which is kind of what we remember. That's kind of your first glimpse back into Night of the Living Dead territory. Like it's not a, it's a you can tell it's a very much a continuation for a couple reasons, right? Number one, again the setting's very similar once they get out there. Number two, um, you know you start to see the the Living Dead walking around and i thought i thought that aerial shot was super cool so cool. Um, almost like almost like one of those like vietnam war movie types in a way and, and how it kind of looked from that shot and uh you know the militia the redneck militia was back yeah. you know that was kind of that was the weirdest thing that i thought was such a cool tie into the to the whole continuity of the storyline it's like the redneck militia is kind of like your 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 through line between the two movies which i was you know i thought was pretty interesting um and i feel like (laughs) like when they get up close on the uh on the militia and they're like sharing drinks and like dancing and partying i'm like this feels like alloy in the 80s (laughs) i mean like literally like where tyler and i grew up like if, if a zombie apocalypse were to happen this would be the exact reaction like dude thousand percent 
Everybody would, everybody would rather gather. <laughs> they would rally up their families and friends, and then they would just like have a barbecue. Dude, I'm surprised we don't have a militia in our county. Like, just we more than militia. We probably do. Yeah. They're just not like we're probably not, you know, in the loop. <laughs> no, yeah, we're definitely not in the know on that one at all. If a militia started, I'd definitely be like shot dead or something for sure. Like, it probably wouldn't go great for me. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, you have this. You have the the scene that you had texted me about, which was the the blade scalp, which was super uh, cool, and like that yeah, was so like the first sign of like, oh, well, I wouldn't say first sign, but like you're like, the shit's getting stepped the fuck up, like oh, you're just like, oh man, this is this is fucking that was gnarly, dude. Yeah, well, it's funny too, and it, something that there's like there's another through line between all three of these movies, I think, in that. Isolation almost is as dangerous as if you were in an overpopulated area because that's kind of your first glimpse into it, right? It's like the shit really starts hitting the fan in terms of they're starting to have the back and forth with the living dead and that when they get to the rural area to find gas to get into the plane to get to a further out area, that's where, yeah, that awesome kill happens where the zombies kind of coming up over the barricade, you know, where they landed, you know, while, uh, I think it is Flyboy filling the gas up, right? Or is yeah. it Steven? Um, I, I think it's Flyboy. Well, yeah, no, Steven is Flyboy. I meant oh, uh, Roger. Whoops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um, but, you know, yeah, he comes up and that that blade of the helicopter just scalps him completely. And that's yeah, a kill. Zombie, yeah, it's so cool. So cool. And you don't really see that kill a lot as is. Anyway, like, I, I don't really, I can't think of many kill scenes that have a very similar way of death. You know, so to speak. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of another movie off the top of my head that has like a like a blade scalping like that. No, not at all. And you know, I mean, there's a you know, you kind of start to get to the dynamic of the four. You know, Flyboy or Steven, he's kind of the weaker of the bunch. I guess yeah. of the bunch. Yeah, you know, I think uh, whereas Barbara in Night of the Living Dead was such a weak, meek character francine does have a little bit of strength you know there's more strength there's more of a there's more of a personality there's more of a sense of self there yeah and like she's like wielding a gun you know so like oh legit you know i mean she learns how to shoot a gun on her own basically i mean with the help of flyboy she learns to fly um which obviously does them well in the end yeah but um you know i thought some of the mall scenes were awesome especially too getting into these shots you know just seeing the difference between return of the living dead or Return of the Living Dead. Completely different movie. Night of the Living Dead. It's okay. And there's a lot of dead. <laughs> there's a lot of dead, dude. A lot of dead in there. Um, between, you know, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, when they're perched up on top of the mall, where they go, okay, we're, this is going to be our home. This is going to be our spot. Like, we're going to take advantage. Um, and the, the cool shot where they're kind of up at the rooftop of the mall, looking into the mall, on, like, the glass triangular casings. Oh, you know, I think yeah. That's, they kind of come down in and like look almost like eye level with them kind of like run around the roof. I thought that was such a cool shot. Uh, and then one thing I thought that Romero did, and I, I don't think I realized it in Night of the Living Dead, but Dawn of the Dead and certainly Day of the Dead, is that this, these movies are as much, as much as they are just a horror film based on the living dead, there's like a lot of jabs at American society and, you know, people in the U.S. Because if you, when they're looking peering into the mall and they're like, why are they here? Like, what do they want? Like, where are they going? And they're like, they're going to what they know, like what they remember, yeah. or like it's something that's held dear to them and it's a fucking mall. And it's like, even when we're dead, 
we're still fucking slaves to consumerism. Yep. Consumerism <laughs> like, strikes again. Yeah, and you know, I think uh, one of the the first, because right after that, not not long after, once they kind of invade the mall and get in and start to set up their plot points of basically how they're going to barricade themselves into a large part of the mall to kind of just basically enjoy what's theirs or what's given to them, whether it be food, shelter, a fucking gun store. That mall was wilding, by the way. Yeah. Tell me about a gun store. I, oh, I, Texas? I don't fucking know. <laughs> maybe in 78. <laughs> Yeah, maybe to maybe, dude. They were just fucking free balling, free wheeling with them, like, you know, sawed off shotguns. But like we got Boscovs, um, they had ammunition stores. Yeah, well, you know, different. I had a really nice coat. <laughs> Somebody else had a fucking double barrel shotgun. You know, same deal. Same deal. But the thing is, you know, when when um when Pierre and you know Roger basically infiltrate and they create their plan to you know section off these zombies. Right before they do that, they start. Specifically, Roger starts like freaking out. He's like, yo, get the watches, get the shirts. And like, even when there's like a loss of civility, a loss of humanity, like they're still tied to that piece of like, you know, whether we're living or whether we're dead, we're still attached to all of these materialistic things. Yeah. Like even in the fucking chaos and nightmares, they're like, get the fucking watches, get the, get the clothes, you know? And, um, you know, it's definitely, you can definitely tell Romero's intention was to kind of say like, Hey, like, you know, um, we're, we're just as mindless, you know, as these zombies yeah. again, you know, at the end of the day. But, um, you know, I think the, the, the strategy and, you know, trying to section off these, these zombies and get their attention and basically all pull them to certain areas. I thought those scenes were super cool, super action packed. That's one of these things that, you know, I think, in comparison from Dawn of the Dead to Day of the Dead, where Day of the Dead was much more storyline driven, Dawn of the Dead was definitely action driven and storyline kind of came, I don't want to say second so much because it still had a solid storyline. They were basically just trying to figure out, you know, how to live essentially in this mall. Yeah. And since this is a double feature and we're going to talk about Day shortly here, I can just talk about Day for a second, whereas you have Dawn, which is definitely a survival tactic movie where their main plan is to just survive and sustain, where Day's whole plot is the same. However, there's the added flair of trying to reverse what has happened. So uh, figuring out a solution to make things go back to normal. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Where I feel, yeah, and you're you're you hit the nail on the head there because Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Night of the Living Dead is like you know, how do we just fend these things off in hopes that things gets things get solved in like 24 hours? Because there doesn't seem to be like a long term plan necessarily in Night of the Living Dead with the cast and characters, but with Dawn, there does seem to be a little bit more involved strategy there, but still the same plot point, right? They're still trying to see how can we get away from these things rather than how we can control them. Uh, which day of the dead sort of tackles. Yep. Uh, but you know, I thought I thought the dynamic between all four of them, you know, between Peter, Francine, Roger, and Steven, because that's really what the the movies solely focus on for a lot of the time, is uh, you know that's definitely where I think the story shines through in those slower moments when they're kind of you know tied into smaller facilities and you know they're uh, you know, just trying to figure things out, right? Just figure out how to like, how do we get through another day? Like, how do we make this as advantageous as we can? Is it the mall? Is it somewhere else? Um, you know, and I think, uh, 
I, I definitely think easily the two strongest characters. Uh, yeah, I would say even the, you know the two strongest characters being Roger and Peter, I, specifically Roger. Roger had a lot of ebbs and flows, specifically because he started to kind of spiral out of control, especially when they start to put the you know to kind of jump ahead the the semis, the uh, the trucks. Oh yeah. You know, in front of the entrances and he kind of like you can tell he's starting to spin out a little bit because he's so hyped up but it's almost it's almost like a psychotic break yeah. type of related. it's like he's because Peter even because Peter's always the steady Eddie like grabs Roger up and he's like get your fucking head together bro like you know um, and then of course he does and then he's bit and you know goes see to his own Mary yeah see you later bye um but I really did like Roger's character for a lot of those reasons, and <laughs> it was almost comical when they were wheeling him in the little—I uh, don't know what that thing's called. It's not like a wheelbarrow, but it's the like that had the two wheels on it when Peter was pushing Roger through after he'd been bit in the arm and in the leg. Oh yeah. Um. Ah, oh, fuck, dude. I don't know what it is. It's basically like a makeshift wheelbarrow almost, but it's like it's probably used to carry mail or like clothing in a mall. And, you know, they basically strap him up and gear him up and he starts just like picking off these zombies in the mall. Um, you know, there was a lot of cool scenes like that. It was yeah. definitely like, it was almost like if a zombie movies met uh, like a Vin Diesel movie. <laughs> Like that's what it yeah, felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see you know that. I mean, it was just so it was so action driven, which I think is part of the reason, to some degree, why I don't do well with action movies anyway, is because it's so action forward. Sometimes I lose the storyline. Uh, yeah, no, I feel that. Yeah. No, I'm you totally know, that with that as well, dude. And then like the moto the motorcycle raiders were like a really cool piece. Uh, I thought yeah. that was really cool, and you have a, a, a special appearance by Tom Savini. He's one of which the awesome. uh, he's one of the Raiders, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And then uh, that was just like I don't know, it was just like a cool little. Ooh, there he is. Uh, that's cool. You know, <laughs> young Tom Savini, man, looking young looking Savini. Yeah, looking schwole. Yeah, he's fuck. He's yeah. a badass dude. Yeah, fuck yeah. I, mean, I thought that was cool though, because it almost gave like this whole. Like it was like because I don't remember so Matt because Mad Max came out because so Dawn of the Dead seventy nine but it had like the bikers reminding me of like that Mad Max like the fucking uh, antagonist in Mad Max next to Mel Gibson yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what they reminded me of but um, no they were super fucking cool how they just kind of blitzed in and they pretty much well they fucked up everything oh yeah <laughs> yeah they they were definitely the uh, the problem that uh, that that fucked everything up. Yeah, well, I mean, and even before that, too, right on the precipice of it, you can kind of tell that what became the threesome after Roger turned into a zombie and, and Peter took him out, that Francine, Stephen, and Peter, they basically, you know, went back to trying to recreate their life before the zombie outbreak. Sure. With the chairs, the feng shui, the kitchen, the TV, and it's almost like boredom got to them. Yeah. You know, being cooped up in one f- single area doing the same things day in and day out frustration and boredom grew and no answers specifically grew until the Raiders showed up and you know that's when everything sort of devolved into utter chaos at that point um, specifically Flyboy I didn't see his character change coming at the end like that where he was just like you know when the Raiders came in and started breaking shit and killing zombies and even looting the zombies themselves which was a cool yeah. little 
<laughs> she starts ripping the chains off. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta tell you, I didn't see the Flyboy like you know heroic act coming on, even no, though it wasn't so that. heroic as, as it was dumb. But he's like, you know, you can't take. I forget what his line was exactly that he said when he started pulling up the shotgun and trying to pick him off. Which, by the way. I name a character in a movie that has a worse aim than uh, Flyboy, by the way. Yeah, well, <laughs> Stormtroopers in Star Wars. That's <laughs> true, sure, yeah, Pretty Flyboy and Stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah, they got that on lock. Yeah, they do. They really, yeah, no, nothing, <laughs> nothing takes a Stormtrooper in bad aim, but Flyboy's a fucking, he's a, he's a good second, dude. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, he, he basically starts, like, you know, World War Three in that mall. Um, you know, but I thought, uh, I thought the ending was really cool with Dawn of the Dead. Um, whereas, you know, again, they're so they're so tactical and action driven. I think the ending is really where you see Peter's character be better fleshed out. I wish they probably did more of that. Yeah. Know, in the middle of the movie. Um, but when you know, basically, Flyboy does his heroic yet dumb act and gets himself killed in the elevator, which is a very cool scene, by the way, as well. When he's like his feet are dangling in the shaft trying to crawl out and gets oh, yeah. this, it turns into one um you know at first when peter was like i can't leave here and told francine to just fly out of here and go i was like what a dumb i was like what the fuck i'm like why does he want to stay here i'm like he's never given any indication that this is where he needs to be at least from what i was viewing anyway um yeah. But, you know, he makes that last ditch effort to be like, fuck this, I'm not going to just be a sitting duck. Right. And get taken out. Like, I'm going to make a dash for it. And then it's actually a happy ending. Francine and, and Peter, what's left of the foursome, fly off to their next venture, right? Wherever that may be in the in the realm of a zombie outbreak. Yeah, you know, it, was, zombie- it was a nice, it was like a nice relaxed ending. And honestly, like one big thing with Dawn, too, uh, is the... Like the cinematography is just so beautiful and in like certain oh, yeah. parts, you know what I mean? Like the shots just like, ah, oh, dude, they just like, ah, oh, some of the shots are just so fucking beautiful. Like the aerial in the beginning, you have like the shots in the mall, the shots on from the roof. Like there's just like, there's just so many cool shots in the movie. Like I'm, I'm a big fan for like movies that really like have a, or like, you know, like cinematographers and, and directors and shit that have a really good eye for cinema in general. So that was a oh, big yeah. thing for me. I really enjoyed that. So, uh, yeah, that's Dawn. I mean, I, I definitely <laughs> recommend, uh, going to watch Dawn. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's a really, it's a really great movie. Uh, I would say it's it's the first movie to start picking up the pace um, in the Romero Dead series uh, franchise, rather. And you know, even though none of them really tie into each other character-wise, there's not a reoccurring you know character or anything like that. Um, you know, there's obviously a reoccurring theme, but you know, there's it's it's definitely the the first one that really just starts picking up the pace so if you haven't seen night of the living dead go watch that uh but you wouldn't be missing out on anything um if you just started at dawn of the dead um i would say that it would probably be the best route to start here uh and gain an appreciation for what it is and then maybe your interest will be peaked to see night of the living dead because night's pretty slow like we discussed uh, on that yeah. episode a couple weeks back, but 
definitely go watch Dawn. Ty, what's your uh, what's your rating on this? Five of five bite, f five out of five bites. What's uh, what's your rating for the rating for this? Dude, it's so difficult. Honestly, it was it was a movie that like it kind of came in for me anyway. And given how action packed it was, though, which kind of sounds weird, I'm gonna say this. It kind of came in to me like a sheep and out and out like a lion in terms of like how I thought about it. I would say probably 3.5 out of five. Cool. Um, I, but you know, the way I watch movies and, and the movies that really get to me, I'm, I'm very storyline, you know, small detail driven, um, which Night of the Living Dead almost relied too heavily on that to some degree. Whereas Dawn of the Dead, I don't think necessarily had to as much, but getting into the next film, I think that was Romero's like yeah, perfection. His chef's kiss. Buying the two, but I will say the, the strong points for me that stood out are I did like Peter's, uh, I did like Peter, Peter, um, you know, I think it would have been interesting. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting to see him in Day of the Dead because he reminds me of a lot of the characters, but it almost reminds me of a weird middle between the kind of the scientist first mil military yeah. vibe. I would have liked to see what his character would have done in some of those situations. Uh, he stood out, and I gotta be honest, I did like Flyboy. You know, uh, as weak and meek as he was, I really liked his character arc oh, yeah. in a lot of um, You know, sort of started out as like the, you know, the, the pilot who might have been a bit intelligent, but wasn't really taken, you know, uh, seriously for his brawn or his might. Um, <laughs> but I think his character probably came on the strongest, you know, from beginning to end. And, um, you know, I uh, I like Roger's character too because he's just fucking bananas. But if the storyline were a little stronger, I'd probably put it in more in the fours. But three point five bites out of five bites. Cool for this boy. I'm gonna match that. Uh, three point five for me as well. It gets uh, a point five more than I gave Night. Um, I think that this one is more up my alley in terms of pacing and. Uh, the gore element was just, you know, fucking amazing. And uh, I was a big, big, big fan of just how the, the pacing was once this one picked up. Um, you know, it does take some time. It's got a slow burner beginning. But uh, once it hits, it hits. And it hits hard. 3.5 out of 5 bites for me as well. And uh, now I want to really talk about the true star of... Pretty much everything we're talking about this month, which is Day of the Dead, which is Savini, or I'm sorry, not Savini, it's uh, Romero's follow-up. Uh, almost another 10 years later, in 1985, this one came out. Uh, this one is definitely received probably as the best of the series um, yeah. in terms of, like, you know, your your uh, your pre-2000s. I mean, you... Uh, yeah, I would say pre-2000s, this is still looked at as as the best dead. I would say, in my opinion, it's still the best dead. Uh, we do have the new George Romero film that came out yesterday, I think it was, Army of the Dead with uh, Dave Bautista. I saw that, dude. Yeah, I think so we'll see how that goes. It's so funny you said that, too, because right after I got done watching Day of the Dead last night... Netflix. I went on the Netflix and Army of the Dead popped up with Batista. I didn't really think they were connected. I made like a little joke in my head that oh, like this would be funny if they were. I had no fucking idea that they were actually connected. Oh yeah, no, so that's like one of the, it is. It was George Romero's like last piece of work that they finished. Um, you know, before he passed. 
well, they didn't finish it before he passed, but it is now finished and released. Um, I really hope for the sake of Romero that it is really good. Uh, I hope that it's not what you just said, which is an action movie. Um, the way that it's yeah. advertised, it's looking like it's going to be an action movie, but uh, who knows? I'm hoping it's good. I'll probably watch it tonight. Not going to lie. We could talk about it next week. Uh, it's on HBO <laughs> Max, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if it's on anything else. I don't know. You, Netflix. it's on. It's on Netflix. Okay. It is on Netflix. So it just, uh, yeah. I think it just it might have just premiered yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Because I know that's when the movie officially came out was yesterday. So, yep. um, but cool. Hell yeah. So let's get into the Day of the Dead. So yeah, 1985 Romero's follow up to Dawn of the Dead. Uh, this one, this is this is my fucking jam. I watched this again today. Uh, I watched it twice last week, once by myself, once with my girlfriend, and then again today because I knew that you were, you had watched either, you'd watched it yesterday or today, I don't know what you did, um, but I was just like, I want to really have this fresh in the brain, I want to look for things that I haven't, um, really, you know, maybe things that I had missed, um, but, oh god, dude, this thing is just such an awesome piece of cinema, and it starts so fucking cool. It starts off literally with Sarah in what looks to be just like this brick fucking four wall, like, you know, prison almost is like what it looks like because you have no, you know, indication of what's about to happen and where they're actually located. But it kind of looks like she's in like a cell with, you know, four brick walls. She keeps looking up at the calendar, the score. Oh, it's so chilling. Like the synth, dude. Oh, my God. It is so fucking good. Like as soon as I hear that, I'm like, ah, fuck. Fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> like, it just gets me fucking fired up every time. Yeah. And it really does. It's, oh, it's so good. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it was funny. Uh, you know, when those opening credits come in, she, you know what she reminded me of? She reminded me of, um, oh, my God. What is she? Uh, she's in The Terminator. Sarah Connor. Like, that's the that's, yeah, what, what's her, the actual actress's name? Is Sarah um, Connor. That's a good Linda question. Uh, Sarah Connor. I have it here. Um, let me look it up. Hold on. Yeah, I was gonna say I was literally doing the. Yeah. Um, Sarah Connor, actress Linda Hamilton. There you go, Linda, Linda Hamilton. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, Linda, I knew it was Linda something. Linda Hamilton. She had that vibe about her. I don't know what it was. I don't know. If it was Dude, she's a badass. Dude, she's a badass. Yes, Sarah's a badass in this. I mean, she has like out of the entire movie one moment of weakness, which like give it to her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but like throughout the entire movie, she's just like this fucking brick walled, strong ass female yeah. lead, you know, and, and which and boom, here we go. He went from two African-American leads, boom, like, you know, awesome Georgia fucking Mario. move to a female lead. Yeah. Like George Romero is killing yeah. it with this shit, dude. Like he. Yeah, and it's, like, it's weird. Do you say that too? It's almost like he's a he's self-aware of his prior films in some ways, because, you know, with the female lead, they just they they get stronger and stronger in each movie because Barb clearly, again, as we talked about multiple times, weak character, weak character arc. There's really no arc to her. Um, whereas Francine, you know, she's still considered the, 
option D of all four options of the group. Um, but you know, they still take what she, what what she says has some levity to it in terms of what her opinions are of what's happening out in the world. You know, she still she still has the ability to show strength in in certain ways, and it's a lot of emotional intelligence. Um, you know, over some others, whereas Sarah, dude, I mean, she's not only emotionally intelligent, she's you know, like almost physically, like physically, she's present yeah. in the movie as well. Yeah, there's I mean, multiple times where she's just like taking the lead. Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, something I didn't pick up on, and because you've watched them all the times, I'm going to ask you because once that whole, and, and, and to your point where she's sitting in her room, it's almost like an insane asylum. That's exactly. Like, it gives you that vibe. Yeah, like she's going in, insane. And I mean, to some fact, if there was a zombie outbreak, how could you not? Um, but, you know, when she's dreaming and she goes to look at the calendar and all the October dates are cut off and then all the hands suddenly shoot through as soon as the synth comes through, through the walls. There's a couple of moments like that. I think at least one more that I can think of off the top of my head, maybe two, where she had certain dreams like that. Did it ever give indication as to why she was having these dreams or was it just the nightmarish environment that she was in was giving her those dreams or there was more to it i don't know if i missed it that might that was the one small thing i might have missed i think um i i you didn't miss anything i believe that is just foreshadowing the fact that like she wants so badly to figure out what's causing this and to reverse it but she knows they're on borrowed time for multiple reasons she knows that there's not like she knows that they're trapped down there you know they have this helicopter up top you know top side and uh, you know that's their means of trying to find other survivors but they're in this this bunker you know and the bunker basically is a, a tomb you know, and I feel like the hands coming through the wall is just an indication of like it's only a matter of time until like something goes wrong and we all get trapped down here and die. And it kind of just foreshadows the end, you know, so which we'll get to. But I believe that's what that was. And to your point with the calendar of all the dates marked off in October, is this a Halloween movie? Right. We don't know because they don't give any other other indication of dates at right. that point. So you know? I'm thinking that this is a Halloween movie with the way that it's yeah. you you without a text popping up on the screen saying, you know, uh, October 31st, 1985. You have a calendar that is all X'd out through the, the month throughout the month of October. It might be November 1st, but I'd still classify that as a Halloween movie for the most part. It's the day after. <laughs> Is that a hot take? Did we just make a hot take? I think so, man. I think so. And like that was something I noticed today. I was like, yeah. oh, that's an October calendar or uh, the month of October is up on the calendar. It's all crossed out. That's yeah. a, that's uh, this is a Halloween movie. This is 100% a Halloween I, movie. Fucking AMC better get on it, dude. When these Halloween movie marathons, I don't see Day of the Dead. I'm writing a very, very strong letter. Yeah, they need very to hear strong it. Letter. Yeah, or email in this case. But I might send the letter just to keep it old school with the theme. But, um, you know, and I think uh, one of the cool things that uh, this movie does really well, too, is it takes you out of the state of PA. You're no longer in the state of PA. And the first is when it's, uh, I believe it's Sarah, it's John, who we then, we realize later in the movie, not very later in the movie, but at least 10 minutes in that he's another 
scientist himself, uh, McDermott, who might be my favorite character. McDermott's crazy, yeah. First of all, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Jesus, I thought it was Mr. Bean, dude. By the look, is like if you look at his, just like his, dude, his eye structure, his eye structure, like that T zone, whatever it is. I was like, is that a skinny? Younger Mr. Bean, and we're just not realizing this. But I don't think it was Mr. Bean. But um, we get palm trees. Well, we get palm trees, and that's how we realize, like, oh fuck, we are completely in a different state at this point. And that's what I think I love about these movies too. That I think do it better, quite honestly, than any other movie franchise, if you will, is that although there is no real through line between characters whether it's the same characters or spread across multiple movies or where it's the bloodline of characters throughout movies, you get a, you still get a sense of through line in the movie that this is all still happening. It's just happening in different parts of the country. And maybe it's not only, it's not like years later, it almost feels like just somewhat like um, maybe a month later or two months later. It's all within a very compact timeline is what it feels like to me anyway. And I think that's what really stands out about it that like, Oh, you're just watching this unfold in different areas and different regions with different people, but it doesn't feel like it's that separated because you're, whereas night and with dawn, they're still reactive to these things to some degree, day of the dead, where you get a sense of, okay, maybe a month or a couple months have gone by to where almost like a pandemic, right? Where we were reacting to it in March, you know, a couple months later, it was more of a, okay, let's not get so reactive at this point and let's start to get proactive. Let's yeah. see how we can figure it which say that that does really well and very eerie watching it and the time that we're in and seeing where we're at now a year and shit two months later almost three months later pretty wild yeah it is it's definitely a a very odd correlation between the two and uh, you know it it is cool and and they mention uh, you know on topic of palm trees they mention that they went 150 miles each way up the coast yes now is that I mean, as the saying goes, as the crow flies, because Mm. Florida, which would be, I think, the closest place that has palm trees to, say, Philadelphia, that's way more than 150 miles. So, like, that part didn't add up to me entirely because I'm like, where did you go that was 150 miles? Now, I don't know shit about flying. All right. So, like, if, if, well, so that's the thing. Like, you know, there there might be places that are closer that have palm trees. It's it, that may be, but to my knowledge, you know, palm trees are a, a Florida thing. So, uh, it, and and then with flying, if you're flying 150 miles in, uh, uh, you know, a fucking helicopter, which that's not how they go. They go by knots, if I'm not mistaken. That's how like like aerial transportation is is um, you know calculated, but I that's something that just didn't link up with me because she said they went 150 miles each way up and down the coast. So that is- yeah, I don't know, but definitely a mystery there. But either way, they it looks like they're in like fucking Miami or something. Well, and that's what I thought. So when they when she did say that, did she say did she specifically say in which direction they were going up and down the coast? Was it to indicate north and south? Because if it's Florida and you're going south down the coast, you're in Cuba. Like they went to like, and if they were in Miami, I literally have the fucking map pulled up right now because I'm geographically like stupid. Um, so if they were to go up the coast, you could assume a hundred miles up, and again. I'm not doing any Google Maps here like I would in my normal job that I do sometimes. But I mean, if 
you can at least assume that they probably got to like South or North Carolina, a hundred miles up the coast. Whereas a hundred miles South would probably get you to like Cuba, like Havana, you know, or, um, okay. Guantanamo. So are you thinking that the bunker is in Florida? That's so I, maybe it's just a moviegoer thing, but when I see palm trees, I'm thinking either when I usually see palm trees and I see glitzy glam, I'm either thinking Miami, Florida or LA. Because that's what, especially in the eighties, right? Like that's, that's the mood you get. And also you got to think about what the eighties were too. I mean, like movies like Scarface were set in Miami. Like there was a lot of big, and not to mention because how, and the only reason I kept it in, in, in Florida. And here's the other thing, um, was that Romero seems very of the time politically too, to some degree. I think he does, he does very subtle nods to it. But if you look at the mid eighties, really from the late seventies into the mid eighties, there was a huge Colombian cocaine crisis that was happening over the border, border into Florida. So the eighties were, you know, ramshackle of that. It was cocaine and then it turned into obviously crack cocaine in the Eastern cities, but especially in Miami in the Florida area, a huge issue was Colombian cocaine traffickers. And, you know, just knowing what I had known about listening and watching Romero's films, you know, these little jets and these weird rural areas of Florida outside these towns, it kind of gave me the same vibe because 85, that's like not maybe not at the height of the cocaine trafficking, but you're not very far off. And considering the fact that I think Dawn and Day were basically from when Dawn ended and was released, they started filming Day of the Dead for like a, a six year period. Yeah. So think about the height of that. If you ever watch a great uh, documentary to watch, not to get too off topic here, Cocaine Cowboys get, dives into that quite a bit. Okay. Um, but anyway, long fucking story, short, completely out of the way. That gave me the indication, both palm trees and just knowing, or at least getting the sense of what I know about Romero is that he does the subtle nods to the political climate of that time. And it felt like Florida, to me. Well, I have this pulled up here. Now, this is where it was filmed. So the above ground scenes in the cities uh, were in at Fort Myers, um, Sanibel, Florida, and uh, the underground scenes were filmed in Wampum, Pennsylvania. Wampum. Yeah, that's right. I remember reading that last night. Wampum, so if that's where they were filmed, I don't know what that if that was the intention where it was supposed to be set. Um, you know, like filming locations are definitely, you know, sometimes different than where they're supposed to be taking place, you know. Um, but either way, they're in fucking palm trees and they're trying to look for survivors and they have the chopper. They want to drop two people on the ground to go out at the city to, you know, hit him with the megaphone like, hello. And you, know, you have, uh, well, you know, what's cool. And I want to go and, and, and cross reference this because you have Miguel play. He's out with Sarah and they're an item. They are together, Miguel and Sarah. And they both go down on the ground. He hits the megaphone and does like the hello. Is anybody out there now in 28 days later? The opening scene of that movie has a scene where the main character goes out the streets of London and he does hello. And like yep. the vocals, like the, the, the voice sounds identical to the voice of Miguel in Day of the Dead. I wonder if it was the dude from 28 Days Later, the main the main actor, 
if that was actually his voice or if they sampled Day of the Dead, Miguel's voice. Because it sounds almost identical, dude. And just like the way that like it echoed and everything, it was very, very similar. Either way, it's definitely a nod to Day of the Dead. Because it's it's the same deal. It's they're they 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 pull up to this giant city and they're saying, Hello, is anybody out there? And this guy wakes up in a hospital, walks out on the main streets of London and does the same thing. So you know, that's uh, that was a very cool thing to see. And then you have the cool, like, ground shot of, like, the newspaper flying, and then it pans up, and then you see, like, the first zombie. Oh, yeah. And his face is all <laughs> fucked good. up. He's missing half his mouth. His tongue's just fucking hanging down. Tom Savini at his best, baby. Just that's nasty sounded. shit, dude. You got, a, you got a fucking crocodile or an alligator, whatever the fuck that thing is, whichever one's bigger. That <laughs> thing's just like, that thing's just in a bank, like right on the fucking steps, it looks like. And, yeah. that, you know, then the zombies start coming and they all come out and nobody answers. So, you know, then they, they fucking, they're like, well, let's get the fuck out of here. But then you got, you have your, your, your boy McDermott, dude, played by Jarlath Conroy. That's a name, dude. Charlotte Conroy. <laughs> yeah, that's Charlotte, definitely a name. Uh, he was a theater actor, uh, come to find out. He, he he starred in some motion pictures, but, like, his thing was theater, which you can tell by his performance in this. It was very, oh, sure. like, theatrical in his performances. However, oh, yeah. his, his reoccurring thing uh, that my roommate Fox and I were talking about today was, like, I wonder if that was just all ad-libbed because, like, when things go fucky, he's just, like... Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and then he takes a sip from his flask his, of his brandy that he's just drinking the yeah. whole fucking film. Which is so dope, dude. He's just keeping warm, man. He's like, this shit, you can't be sober for this stuff. Yeah. He's like, you gotta take the edge off somehow. I respect it, dude. He's got the little uh, the flask. I dig it, man. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a cool little vibe and a cool. That's what I think Day of the Dead does better than any of the the three in the main trilogy is that the character development, and not even so much the character development, but I just think who the characters are as people are just so much more interesting and quirky. Uh, you know, it, cause McDermott kind of brings that comedic relief to it a bit. Um, whereas the other two movies, I don't really think had that a ton. Dawn of the Dead had like little snippets of it at times. You, I couldn't tell if it was intentional or not. Like when, you know, like I said, like Peter's school, like, you know, Scoot and Roger around the mall, like that's kind of funny, but you're like, I don't know if they intended for that to be funny or if it just happened to be after the fact and viewing but with day of the dead like somebody like mcdermott like you can tell clearly he he's there for that um you know somewhat comedic relief to some degree oh yeah not to mention the other scientist uh and why is his name um it's escaping me at the moment talking about john i mean he's not a scientist Uh, he's just a fly boy are you are you on the helicopter still so I'm a little bit ahead, so maybe okay. I'll, maybe that's I'll, why. Okay, I'll no, you're yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, you're so good. No, I you're good. To get to there. Get to there. The other scientist, uh, which yeah, is um, works with Bub. Uh, yeah, he works with Bub. So you have um, well, the old guy, uh, which is uh, it's not Logan, is it? Logan is uh, good question. I'm gonna look this. <laughs> Give me a minute. Richard Liberty is, is the scientist. Yep, that's Logan. Yep. yep. Richard Liberty. 
or Logan played by Richard Liberty. Yep. Yeah. He even too is somewhat comedic and, and just like the quirky scientist way that he plays and yeah. his interaction with Bob the zombie. Like they're just such cool moments that like, you know, it's, it's, it kind of, I, I wonder if Shaun of the Dead was directly influenced by specifically Day of the Dead because of the comedic relief that's kind of peppered through it. Right. Just because that's what Shaun of the Dead is, it's just so on the nose of that. Um, and I mean, there's obviously references to George Romero's Dead trilogy that like, I wonder if the comedic relief came from that and then watching that because granted, when it came out in 04, Shaun of the Dead, they were, you have to assume they're at least in their mid twenties, maybe early thirties. So, Fuck, if you're 10, 12 years old watching Day of the Dead, how are you not going to be influenced by that? Which, by the way, what upsets me about this movie, where just critics get it wrong, is this was critically panned compared to the other two. Compared to Dawn of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead, this movie was critically panned when it came out, I read. Uh, and that's uh, that's a bummer, man. Huge uh, bummer. I don't know why. And it's weird yeah. because, I mean, it did a huge flip. I mean, it went... Uh, it had a huge flip. The budget was three point five to four million, and box office hit for thirty-four million. So it's definitely a good profit. Oh, a thousand percent. But if you look at the breakdown of where the budget, like where the money was made, only five of that thirty million was made in the U.S. Interesting. Almost twenty-some odd million was made out of the United States. It was international, which interesting. is interesting. I wonder, you know, between that and the Argento piece that was coming to. Well, you know, at this point in 85, you already have like Fulci zombie out already. So like this yeah. could have just been like popping the fuck off like over in Italy. You know, like that could have sure. been a big thing because like Italian horror was like thriving in the 80s. You know, late 70, yeah. early 80s, Italian horror was popping the fuck off. So oh, very well could possibly be that. You know, yeah, and I think, and to kind of get back to the storyline a bit, once they get back into like the the tunnel system that they've built out, is where you really start to see the dynamics unfold a little more between like who these characters are and what roles they play, and obviously Sarah, John, McDermott, and Logan, uh, and then the other scientist. What the hell is his name? Um, in the film, is it Rickles? Rickle, uh, the other scientist. Yeah, no, scientist. Rickles is like the other like dickhead that like steals like right hand man um I think it's uh Miller I think yeah I think he it's Miller as, he wasn't as pronounced of a character as the rest of them but those what was it Logan let me do this count one more time it was Sarah John Logan McDermott and Miller so that's five so they're like this team of scientists that are really there to essentially figure these zombies out how do we control them how do we understand their genetic makeup the whole nine like how do we get in front of this now now we're no longer being reactive as we were in the first two films we're being proactive and then there is the gung-ho insanity of the military which if you look through the three films the militias the military they're not the most trusted they're not the most trusted but they're also they in terms of how Romero puts them, their their reactions always seem to be wrong. Good you know, call. Or over the edge, too over the edge for whatever reason. Now that could have been Romero's own personal beliefs coming out, kind of bleeding into his films potentially. I don't know because again, if you think about the late '60s into the mid '80s, I mean, look at how much things have crossed over. You had the Vietnam War. You had, you know, um, shit, civil unrest between civilians and, and police authority, militia authorities. Uh, in the 1980s, you have the Iran Contra issue. I mean, there's just so many things that happened in that 
chunk of time, you know, between essentially 17, 16, 17 years, almost 20 years. Um, you wonder if that kind of bled into his thoughts and in, in creating these films. But regardless, you know, the, the military led by good old Rhodes, which Rhodes is, I love, I love Rhodes for, I hate him, but I love him because of this. He's such a quintessential 80s villain. Oh, and yeah. he's just like, there's nothing but anger in him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's there's no like fluctuation of emotion he's just like these fucking dead people they're dead <laughs> he's yeah. like what, what are you doing down here like it, his whole purpose is to be like fuck the scientists let's just go mass exodus on these people and just mutilate some zombies like that's he's over it you oh, know yeah. uh, and it's funny it's funny yeah. because uh he's also in dawn of the dead for a very short part um, really? Yeah, Joseph Pilato. Uh, he's in a very short part. He's the. Uh, he is. He plays himself as what he's credited for, but he's an officer at the police dock. So, oh. like when like the boat that goes away, he's one of those guys in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. So Romero brought him back for day, playing a completely different character. Um, and okay. obviously playing like the main protagonist in this, so yeah, you know, no, he, he, antagonist. antagonist. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's a yeah. Well, whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, is the bad it? guy. <laughs> yeah, but it's you know, it's and this is where you get like we talked about Sarah's sense of self and sense of strength is that she's like fucking doesn't matter how crazy Rhodes appears and his gang of people, including Steel, which he's like the like the henchman. Of the '80s villains, you oh, know, yeah. and he's like, "Get him, boss! I got a boss!" Like that's yeah. that's what he reminds me of, you know. Um, but you, you get a sense of self and sense of strength from Sarah when she just stands up to Rhodes, and it's like, "Listen, like you guys want to, you know, immediately kill, 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 but we're trying to work through things, and she's trying to be more diplomatic, whereas Logan is more matter of fact. He's like, "Well, what are you gonna do? You're gonna leave here? Where are you gonna go?" Yeah. Okay, there's millions of these things, you know? He's like, wouldn't you like to know how to control them? I know how to control them. But the the thing that's, I think, interesting, too, is that even though it's almost like scientists versus military, there's still a divide in the science realm between specifically John and McDermott and then Sarah, Miller, and Logan, right? Where Logan seems to be kind of on his own a bit. He's doing his own thing. He's messing with the bodies. He's trying to figure out what controls them, how to control them. Whereas John and McDermott seem to just be hanging back and sort of checked out of the whole process entirely, right? Like they're just kind of like soaking it up, living in their trailer, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then whereas Sarah and Miller seem to be sort of on the same page, Miller seems to almost be an extension of Sarah and their thoughts and their belief system of like, we want to get this thing figured out. Logan's kind of going fucking, you know he's he's off on his own doing his own thing he's gonna go he's gonna go on a wall a little bit and then john mcdermott we can't even get him to agree with what we're doing because that's the big issue in this whole film right is there's just no sense of continuity or unity or communication everybody's kind of in it for themselves a bit not not only the military and scientists but the scientists within the scientists yeah for themselves you know um and i think that's one of the interesting things this kind of this film sort of plays on a little bit and 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 what ultimately causes mass chaos down the 
road in the film anyway. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, because, I mean, you have Sarah that has her own agenda and Logan that has his own agenda, and they're completely, they're, they're two separate paths. Logan wants to be able to control the zombies, not fix the zombies. He wants to be able to, like, basically control their behavior, whereas Sarah wants to be able to reverse, you know, what has happened and, and, and get people like a cure or something along those lines, you know? So, and you know, they, they keep reiterating the fact that they're low on supplies that, you know, they're, they're low on food, low on ammunition. You know, there's a lot of stuff that they're getting low on down in that bunker. And really there's not much way out of there. And John brings up a really, really good point in a situation like this where he goes you know you better make yourself useful soon here you know this is after that big seven o'clock meeting that they have you know the 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 first big scene we have in like the bunker where everyone's together and you know there's a whole thing going on and you know sarah is kind of disobeying Rhodes' direct orders because fuck him you know who cares about you you know what i mean like i have my own work to do yada yada and there's a disagreement you know, Rhodes wants fucking steel to fucking shoot Sarah for not sitting down. You know, that's a oh, whole yeah. big fiasco that gets the whole room up. Even like his his fucking his military dudes that are sitting back are like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Still like steel, like reluctantly draws his weapon because he's got a gun pointed at his head by Rhodes. You know, so he's just at like this, like, fuck, dude, I don't want to kill this person. But like, I'm going to die in the process. Fuck that. No, I'm pulling my gun. But he's like super reluctant. You know, he draws his gun on Sarah and kind of like forces her to sit down for more or less. She sits. It does this whole uproar and then everybody disperses. And that's where you have John giving this like big realization to Sarah that it's like, you better make yourself useful around here and not piss off these guys because they're the ones with, you know, they got guns, you know, I mean, they had, you know, the scientists and everybody else has guns, too. But problem here is, is that like John's the the, the flyboy. So he's not going to get killed. No matter what he no. does, he ain't getting killed, right? No, you have Exactly. You have McDermott, who's the, the comms guy, the communications dude. He's the guy that knows how to work the radios and all the electronics. He's not going to die. You have Logan that's, like, on the fence because they, like, kind of want to kill him. But, like, they're, right. they kind of want to see what he's, like, capable of doing with these zombies. But then, yeah. like, everybody else is expendable, and there's not enough room on the on the helicopter for everybody. So, right. pretty much, you know, if Rhodes wants his way, he's going to take the essential people with him and get the fuck out of there, leave the rest, you know? Yeah. So that's, like, this, yeah. like, big sudden realization to Sarah at that moment. I think for the listeners too, when they when they hear this, I think it'd be to kind of paint a, a picture of like, okay, so there's military, there's scientists, like why the fuck are they both in here? What we come to find, and they think, and Romero paints it in the first, probably paints it very well in the first half half hour, forty minutes of the movie, is that you know the military are essentially trapping these living dead. And, you know, being the muscle, if you will, to get these living dead into the scientists for the scientists to work on them to either, in Sarah's point of view, find a cure or for Logan to control them. Right. So the military are kind of working in conjunction with the scientists. They're the they're the heavy handed. They're the you know, they're the blue collar workers. Yeah, the muscle. Right, this yep. operation. They're the muscle, this whole operation and getting these living dead people you know, into these scientists for the scientists to figure things out. And as somebody in the military, right, on their end, you're like, okay, we're risking our lives day in, day out. We're living amongst them, which Rhodes even mentions. He's like, we're, we're sleeping in the same fucking quarters 
basically, you know, these living dead people are chained into. He's like, they're like a fucking door down for me. Right. He's like, you know, so if we're going to do all this muscle and risk our lives, and he even mentions, he's like, we've lost not one, but five men already to doing this. Right. He's like, you better start showing me some fucking results. You know, otherwise, to your point, I'm going to bounce and I'm out of here and I'm done because right now you guys aren't telling me anything that you didn't tell me two weeks ago was that, you know, you're still working on things. You're still trying to figure things out. Um, and Logan seems to be the one to your point, pushing more of the hard details out. He's like, well, I've been doing this. I've been doing that. And that's when, you know, you kind of get into things a little more. You meet Bub, well, Bub the zombie, you know, that's, that's Logan's, uh, prized physical possession of details of saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And this is what's happening. Um, the one thing, you know, the one thing I will say about this movie that I didn't understand was um, specifically Sarah and Miguel's dynamic. So they were, it's not, they were a couple. Uh, it, it's, right. it's discussed, but like, you know, he's, he's definitely like manic. He's having oh, a lot yeah. of episodes. He can't, he's not working well under pressure. He collapses when they're hurting the zombies at the one point, you know, there's a lot of uh, issues that he's having and like steel is already out to get him. Now, Miguel is part of the militia. He is one of the military crew. Uh, and I yeah. guess, you know, um, him and Sarah linked up somehow. And it's like this big, like, you know, thing between the other soldiers is that like, you know, well, we'll get rid of Miguel and then like, you know, we'll have our chance with you, you know? And it's like, yeah. just like, there's a lot of things in this movie that are very, very touchy. There's, you know, the the very there's yeah. like the race card that gets pulled quite a few times, which and Dawn you know, does too. In Dawn, in all the movies, actually, uh, yeah. and Night, Dawn, and Day, because you know you have Mister Cooper, who's a fucking dickhead to Ben. Um, you know, he says some some off the wall shit, and then you know you have the soldiers in Dawn that say some off the wall shit, and then yeah. you have. Uh, steel that says a lot of shit throughout this one and then there's like you know the whole like sexism like you know the the sexual uh harassment towards sarah you know she being the only female down there locked up with all these guys you know it's it's uh it, it could be very dangerous for her you know and yeah. you know john and mcdermott both point that out you know they make that clear like you need to be fucking careful down here Yep. And I think uh, one of the interesting points to, to that point is kind of later down in the movie where Sarah and Miguel fight. Miguel says some, I forget, he says some like passive aggressive shit. And she's like, just get the fuck out of my room. Get out of my insane asylum. My insane asylum room. You bounce out. Um, you know, he leaves, but then she takes a walk to kind of clear her head. She takes a pill and some water. But then you kind of see the military almost like they're just full bore testosterone because they're fighting in the halls. You don't ever get a sense of why they are. Yeah. It's just, it's just cooped up testosterone. It's almost like a jail yeah, in a way. They're just like, fighting a fight. They're just fighting a fight. And, you know, McDermott helps kind of Sarah skirt around it and get out of the way. And, you know, then she basically, her intent is to go get drunk with McDermott at that point because McDermott's like, yeah, fresh brandy. Yep. He's like, you know, it'll keep you warm. And she starts downing it. And then it transitions to, you know, John and McDermott's trailer park home that's in the tunnel system. Um, and that's when you get, I think, a very that's when you get a full 360 viewpoint of all the scientists and where everyone's heads are at. Whereas Logan's like the mad, they call, they call him Frankenstein yeah. because that's the whole thing, right? That's, he's very much more hands-on where I think 
John and McDermott and to some degree Sarah and Miller you don't really get a sense of but at least Sarah John and McDermott are much more high level thinking of things where Logan's much more hands on but you know specifically when Sarah gets to the trailer and you know she goes in she checks it out it's got the whole feng shui going on compared to her insane asylum dorm that she's living in um, and she goes out back to the you know the, the metropolis that John has where he's looking over documents and you know um excel sheets broken down of companies in the u.s and you know he goes on this long tangent for what roughly it's like a 10 or 15 minute piece i think it's a very long scene yeah yeah where he kind of and i you know there's so many things he talks about but essentially i think the point he's getting to is like you know he's like why are we trying to recreate the world we just came from i I think it's some at some point what he gets down to he's like well you know i don't want you know my children if we repopulate the earth to see these documents of all these companies and how much they were making and how much they lost over the years he's like that doesn't mean anything to me anymore you know and he's like why you know why, why am i even getting this involved right like you know i'm uh i'm here to do a job but at the same time you know wh- whatever we're getting at i don't know that I don't know if that's exactly what he's getting at essentially, but I don't think he wants to recreate the world that he just came from. I think he says something to that point, at least in his ramble, but maybe you have a different take on it. I mean, you've watched it, what do you say, like two or three times? In the last (laughs) week, yeah. Uh, That's exactly what it is. Uh, He doesn't want what we had, you know, or what they had. You know, he wants to start fresh. He's like, listen, like, you know, you get stuck down here, you're doing all this research, you're doing all this work, and for what? for a chance to possibly go back to what we had, which wasn't that great. So, like, let's just, like, fucking start new and, like, you know, move on from this, which, you know, later on, it that's what it comes to be. And that's, like, Sarah's sudden realization that, like, all right, I'm down to make this move to, like, overthrow yeah. this militia, get the fuck up out of here. And one thing I do want to touch on, because there's been a few things, a few gore pops that have happened. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you have the the laboratory of Logan's, and he's working on basically the dead uh, soldiers that you know everyone thinks are buried, and uh, you know he's got the brain of the the old captain, you know, and it's just like a working brain, and like I thought that was fucking sick, and it's like the the cadaver, oh, yeah. and like the arms go up, you know, when he pushes the button. And like it's just a yeah. brain with like wires attached to it, and then the other one is the completely gutted torso of a zombie, and like he like gets him to bite at him a little bit, and then I guess that zombie like breaks his straps and gets yeah. up, and then dude, everything inside of him just falls out and slides oh. all over the ground, dude. Oh, it was so gnarly, so <laughs> sick. He's with uh, that drill bit right in the dome. Yeah, he just grabs the drill. Shoop, easy kill. Done. Ends him. Yeah, and that's what he comes to find out. He's like, you know, they don't need any of their pre-existing organs that we function on to live. He's like, it's all, all in the brain, which we kind of already knew to begin with. But um, what Dawn of the Dead touches on really briefly that Day of the Dead gets into is that they go back to what they know. And one of the ways in which Logan sort of finds to control the zombies via his prized possession, Bub, who is the fucking, he's the steal of the movie. Bub's the man. I love Bub. But you get a sense of, you get a sense of him, you know, through Logan and, um, you know, basically giving him these rewards for remembering things, right? There was the, there was the handheld phone. He was trying to, you know, talk through that he remembered the, 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 the razor. Oh, the razor too. Yeah. 
the cassette player where he's listening to music yep and then he even realizes when he sees Rhodes he does the salute and Logan's like oh I think he must have been in the military yeah. and um, you know and then he gives him the gun but he empties the chamber once he realizes oh he must have been in the military he enters the chamber the gun gives it to him and he you know he's holding it because Rhodes is still is holding the gun at him Bob pulls the gun up and shoots it and realizes there's nothing in it and he starts looking so it's weird how those two incidents you know, between two different films sort of connect. They like Dawn of the Dead, they kind of slowly and reacted to these zombies from a high bird's eye view go, you know, they're just, they're going back to what they know. That's like the one glimpse we get into in those first two films that like what's what's driving them, right? Yeah. Like what, what do they want, what do they need? And then Day of the Dead sort of starts to dive into that and got going, you know, not only do we know they like to go back with, to what they understand and what they know, but here's our way to control them via the things that they remember via the things that they know yeah and um, the rewarding process is something that logan's trying to drive home very very strongly you know he is bringing them body parts he's bringing bub body parts and that's his reward and the dead soldiers. yeah yeah of the dead soldiers and uh you know it's pretty it's pretty fucked but i mean like you know hey it's working you know it's working yeah. and like you know you have this whole fucking crazy upset that happens because they're herding some more zombies in. One gets loose, bites one of the soldiers right in the throat. Ooh, dude, gnarly. Romero likes that kill too. It's like he does it a couple times in the films. Yeah, where he goes, like, this is jugular man, and like they take out the Adam's apple with it. It's fucking rough. Uh, it's fucking sick. And then yeah. you have this is where all fucking hell breaks loose, and the shit just goes absolutely fucking nuts, balls to the wall right from then on. Because you yeah. get Miguel that gets bit in the hand or on the arm. He gets bit in the arm. Yeah, because he loses the zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that wasn't his fault, and he shouts that. But yep. Yeah. And you know, uh, Sarah amputates and fucking cauterizes the arm, and you know now everybody's like, "You better keep a fucking eye on him." You know he's gonna fucking turn on us, and he does, but not in the way that they expect, because no, they're all fucking hanging out back in John and McDermott's, like you know castle you know fucking you know paradise little getaway in the tunnel system and uh, Miguel sneaks up top he gets topside baby oh yeah and, well and, and and part of that chaos too is that incident happens but then Rhodes and the military find out that Logan oh, has been yes, using yes. body parts to feed the bug but also the soldiers bodies to work on that were formerly killed he's like you're using my men he's like nah fuck this shit you guys are out of here so he, he lights up Logan yeah. he like pushes him into the freezer and just goes you know fucking like 20 shots full clip. yeah full clip just empties a full clip on Logan that's a wrap for him uh, and then you know he, he gets uh, gets Miller and and Sarah and he's like, all right, you guys are coming with me. Like it's it's fucking it's it's shit show time now. Like you guys, yep. you you like, were already on my last nerve. Like this beyond broke is the straw that broke the camel's back in my opinion. Like you guys are done. Yep. Uh, you know they're leading them down. To your point, that's when they get to John and McDermott. Yep. In the tunnel system, in there, you know their their little trailer park haven. Yep. Um, and 
one of the the one of the, the scene that caught me off guard is when John and, and McDermott they they see the they hear the this commotion and the screaming and they, they already kind of know you can sense it in their face like ah like something's happening and it's not good and then when the military you know Rose and Steele and, and the others start to lead Sarah and Miller down to you know basically that contraption that they catch the zombies in which is pretty fucking clever by the way uh, you know they lead them down there. And as uh, as you know, as John approaches with his gun out, I think it's Rhodes goes ahead and puts the gun to Miller. Is it Rhodes? It's Rhodes that puts the gun to Miller and just blows his fucking head. Boom! I saw that and I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. (laughs) You kind of didn't know what was going to happen after that, which I think was a smart move on Romero's part. Like. I don't probably no one saw that coming. I didn't see that coming. Neither did I. Yeah. yeah, my first watch, no idea. And in the meantime, yeah. while this whole fucking you know chaos is happening here, Miguel goes topside, and they hear the elevator. Rhodes tells Steele and Rickles to go check it out. So now Rhodes is basically like almost one on one with John, Sarah, and McDermott. And they're yeah. like all together. And then we see Miguel. Miguel goes topside and he's staring at the fence up so- outside, you know, above the complex. And he sees all the zombies and he just unchains the gate and lets them in. And the, the, the bunker that they're in is like this elevator pad that goes down underground with a button. And he goes up there. Rickles and Steel goes the, to where the entrance of the elevator shaft is. And Miguel is destroyed um the the operating system so the only way to open it back up again is with the control that's up top side miguel lays down and has all the zombies get on the shaft and just like gets starts getting eaten alive and he's just getting all fucking ripped up and then he hits the button that's what i'm saying dude i just figured that he was gonna like hit the fucking button and like let him fall down there Nah, dude, he was just like, the only way I can get as many of these motherfuckers on here is if I use myself as bait, and I just get taken the fuck out, and they're just, and dude, that scene of, like, fucking roads, rickles, and steel, and the fucking elevator shaft with just hundreds of these fucking zombies are on there, and they're just like, oh, fuck. And Rhodes, of course, being the little bitch boy he is, is the first one to just bolt. And he bolts and gets on the golf cart, which doesn't really go that much faster than running. But he gets on that yeah. and he just starts fucking zooming out towards that way. Now, Rickles and Steel are just fucking left behind. And then, oh, it, yeah. it, dude, oh, my God, this fucking sequence is so gnarly because now you have the mechanism that they were hurting is left open. So now they're coming in from the caverns. Yeah. You have the elevator that has all the zombies that just came in. So now you're getting the front and the back are just getting loaded. So it's basically from both angles, you're getting zombies coming at you and you're going to get pinched in the center. And this like this, like just like pretty much just like running around, like trying to evade them happens. And Rickles death is gnarly, dude, because he's like he get he like shoots them. And then he like lays down and they just like pull his head off and you hear the vocal cords, the pitch in his voice is like <laughs> and like it just yeah, goes up in pitch. Wild. I was like, yeah, oh, dude, that's gnarly. 
Well, you know what's funny too? Uh, you made a point earlier when Miguel kind of sacrificed himself, and I, I kind of got confused and thrown off by that. And I was like, oh shit, he's like, he's a sacrificial lamb for this. But because I watched Dawn of the Dead and then immediately watched Day of the Dead after, it was weird how like there was some like connections that I just picked up on. One of the connections was that often when they devised these plans in Dawn of the Dead, when they were trying to go to different areas of the mall, they would basically make a bunch of noise and show themselves to the zombies with obviously something in between them, unlike Miguel, to basically herd them into one location. Because where the zombies go, where they hear noise, the zombies will go, the rest of the zombies will follow, and then they make their exit out, which Miguel obviously realized himself, right? He was going to show himself, right? Get himself over that little shaft area, basically sacrifice himself, bring the zombies to him, and fucking hit that button right as they were, like, chowing down on and it brought him right in. So it was it was interesting that there was, like, that, that thorough of thought put between the two movies six years apart that, like, hey, there's a way to get these zombies here. Like, they, they even... It's almost like they, they, like they were just so thorough in the creation of their zombies and what made them tick and what didn't. Like they all had a good like eye, cat. very good you know eye. Know I mean? Yeah, so, uh, that was pretty fucking point. cool. Very cool. But yeah, you know, obviously in the in the realm of that. So yeah, Rickles gets fucking the chiropractic adjustment. Yeah, dude, straight <laughs> just pulled in half. And uh, from here on out, it's a gore porn film, and it's probably my favorite. Oh, dude, that the, the whole rest of this movie is just incredible because it's just. Basically, Romero looked over at Savini and said, fuck me up, fam. And just like, dude, the kills are just over the fucking top and they're amazing. I mean, you have Steel, which he doesn't get his. Dude, and we talked about that the other day. I, that's the one kill I wish we they could have taken back and at least let him get his. He shouldn't have had control on his way out like he did. No, not at all. However, that kill it, or the suicide of Steel is rad in the sense that it's all one shot there's no cut so it's it's the the him getting surrounded in the room and he just puts the gun in his mouth and pulls the trigger and the splatter on the wall and he slides down there's no cut there's nothing it's all one sequence and i was just like oh fuck because usually you have a cut in the camera for them to set up a prop and have the prop go off but this was all one shot and you're just like Whoa, fuck, because not having that cut made it more intense because it's just oh, like all sure. one thing. You're like, oh, my God. So, yes. like, it, it, it wasn't what you wanted, but it was gnarly. Oh, well, and then it, it was gnarly. Yeah, right. And it was it was still intense enough. Yeah. <laughs> also, that whole, like, one cut, no edits, fucking, you know, suicide is, is intense. There's just no two. And, I mean, he does get a little bit of it because I think he gets hit in the throat, too. Or does he get hit in the arm? I think it's the like, arm. Some, yeah, I think it's the, the arm. arm. I think it's the arm. But so he still gets a little bit of it, so you know he's fucked anyway. We, you just you want to see the visceral, like, yep. just decapitation or something of him. But, you know, still intense enough. And to your point, very cool that there was no stop cuts, edits, or anything. It was just one, one swift take yep. of, of his... The coolest part of the movie, yep. hands down, and me and my wife were like, fuck yes, is Rhodes' kill. But basically, what leads up to it, and that's Bub. Um, so, you know, as basically all this carnage had taken place at one certain part of the tunnel system, Bub gets his way out, which, by the way, the mechanism that he figured out to get out was pretty fucking he's simple. Like, he's, like, licking all the blood and, like, guts off of his chain that he's chained up yeah. with, and it's just a pin that he pulls out, and he's like, oh, oh, what? He's like, what out. the fuck? And he's like, all right. He's, he's like, like, I'll take a stroll. Let's see what's out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go check it out. 
but I think what's very cool is when he sees it's almost like I don't it's like it's almost like dramatic when he sees Logan dead in the freezer and Bob he gets upset he freaks he's like crying and shit he's like that's my homie yeah he just fucking ripped up my homie and like yeah he reacts to it and like even my wife Kate was like oh my god like this is so sad you feel bad for Bob dude that was his like only homie in the afterlife yeah and it was like holy shit like it gives you again a sense of self to these zombies like they're not just merely you know robotic you know cannibalistic hungry things right like they they there's more they're more complex than what we're probably giving them credit for in the first two films yeah whereas they gives them much more complexity much more of a human element and that's one of those scenes that really like sticks out and then he's like yeah, you killed Logan. He's like, I'm, I'm fucking dead. But he, he almost instinctively, he instinctively knows who it is. Like he can, he can still read people because who does he go to immediately? Gets his gun, right, and starts making his way down. And who does he find? It's Rhodes. And he and traps without, Rhodes in the hallway. Traps Rhodes, and I mean, without hesitation, pulls that gun up, man. And Rhodes is like, fuck. And, and he hits him in the shoulder. I think the first shot. Yep, and then I he believe. bolts towards the door. And when he opens the door, then you have the the iconic scene of the double doors <laughs> opening up and all the hands coming out. And Rhodes' yep. face is just like ah. And yep, yep. Yeah. So then he turns around and Bub's there again and just fucking bop shoots him. He goes down. All the zombies and then he gets straight fucking torn in two. Oh, dude, they eat him like they eat his stomach like a pot of chili. Oh, like dude. it's, but very weird too. Shaun of the Dead. Remember David in that movie? Yeah. He's like uh, he's basically the antagonist of the film. His kill is very similar to Rose. It is because he basically just gets because the the viewpoint's almost not identical, but it's still that long shot, and then you know basically rips him to shreds. Yeah, essentially. yeah. It's it's literally like almost verbatim the same kill. It's super cool. Yeah, super, super cool. And uh, well, what is he? Do you ever hear what he's? I don't know what he's screaming. Okay, so I got it. I got it. It's choke on them, his intestines. Choke on them. Choke oh. on them. I turned the subtitles on. That's intense. Yeah, choke on them. Damn. And it, for all you listeners sense. out there, our new intro uh, has over the slam the tail end of the uh at the uh, the tail end of the little track it has Rhodes death scene playing over top of it of him screaming in agony so dope fucking so dope. fucking Rhodes dude he's dead and then now we are left with Sarah John and McDermott yeah the, the you know the fearsome not foresome no, the, 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 the the gruesome or the 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 the, the tremendous the, threesome the, the, the tremendous trio the tremendous trio, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah, I like that one. Yeah. That's a good play on words. There we go. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they they fucking make it out, man. They, they make it out. Make it the fuck out. Okay, so <laughs> that's Day of the Dead. Now listen, we're leaving out stuff. We always leave stuff out. We leave stuff out yes. deliberately because we want you to go watch yeah. the movie. We do spoil the whole thing for you. However, we it, it, you're probably <laughs> listening to this podcast. If you are listening to this podcast, you're either one of two things. You're either looking for new movies or you want to hear us talk about movies you're already familiar with. Now, hopefully, we can give you some insight on some things that you haven't picked up on before, and maybe you're going to go revisit these films again, or maybe you haven't watched them at all, and now you have 
the the urge to go watch them. So definitely go watch Day of the Dead. Watch Dawn of the Dead. Just watch Romero's shit. He's he's a fucking genius. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That being said, Ty Guy. Yeah. Five bites. What you got? Five out of five bites. Dude, this movie. Uh... I don't know if you would consider it underrated in the horror canon as it is now, because I think it is certainly a cult classic, much like that of like the Evil Dead is a cult classic. Yeah. So yeah. now in you know hindsight, I don't think you could necessarily say it's underrated or slept on. I think to a casual fan, sure, I think it's definitely slept on. Um, you know, uh, for anybody listening to this, I think depending on how you look at movies, because no, no, none of these three movies really correlate with one another. You're not really going to miss a ton and watching these out of order but you know the stickler in me would say start with night of the living and just run through them like get through it kind of like the office like the office season one is boring as fuck and then you get into the good stuff kind of treat this the same night of the living dead has its good parts though i won't say it doesn't but definitely watch them all the way through in order i think it's going to give you a pretty interesting take on things and you might see some of the same stuff that we've seen right Day of the Dead's easily the best of the three. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I think it's just there's much more complexity to the characters, not only the living, but the dead, right? Uh, I think there's just so much more play in part, and you kind of see the maturation of the other two films into this one of, you know, where humanity's at at this point, wherever whatever timeline we're on, right? But you kind of see where they're at and what they're trying to essentially get to at this point is, is a recreation of a world not so much uh let's just stop it in its tracks and keep living like we were like no it's they're they're completely onto a new plane um but i think from a storyline perspective it's the best of the bunch hands down uh again character development and arc best of the bunch easily the coolest characters between specifically bub and mcdermott i love both of them for different reasons i love quirky characters and horror movies that shit always gets me i think yeah. that's why i like the lost boys too the lost boys has a really cool like quirky character development that you don't see everywhere day of the dead does it really well long story short 4.75 out of 5 Damn. that movie that slaps that movie slaps okay all right well for me you touched on pretty much everything that i was gonna say uh for me this is my favorite of romero's films this is a five of five for me uh this is a quintessential uh zombie flick i think uh in the last episode uh, the the solo episode which uh i'll be honest was was weird it was it was weird being alone and not talking to anybody but uh i did it i made it happen and uh i said in that episode that i think I've realized I'm a zombie guy. I looked over my collection the other day and I was just like, damn, I own a lot of fucking zombie movies. And I'm like, damn, I really like a lot of zombie movies. Man, I'm, I think I'm a zombie guy. Like, I really like zombie <laughs> films. Like, holy shit. Um, but yeah, uh, for me, this is definitely one for uh, any type of fan. Uh, it could turn your stomach with some of the scenes. You know, like I said, Savini's best work, man. Um, or some of at least his best work, if not the best. I fucking love this film. It's a five of five for me. And uh, yeah, dude, that's uh, that's your that's 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 our first double feature. We we bang this baby out in two. Yeah, I did. And yeah, then did. we'll have a little something special for you for next week. Uh, we're gonna be doing Land of the Dead, which was more of like the modern day uh, rendition, because there's no point for us to do the 1990 Night of the Living Dead remake. I think we can just kind of yeah. move right past that. 
Um, Same with Return of the Living Dead. I mean, no. I I see that's the thing. Like you know, I think Return of the Living Dead, which it came out around the same time. Uh, I I I think we're gonna. I think the overall topic for us still in May of the Dead was to stick with Romero. Um, yeah. You know, so we, we do that, and then we'll do Return of the Living Dead at another time because I think that's a great like dark Ugh. comedy. You know, awesome. I think that's awesome. an amazing movie um, as well. That being said. We have some cool shit coming up. We have some really cool shit coming up. The month of June for us is looking nutty. We did. Stacked. It's stacked. It's so stacked. And there's no theme. Actually, there kind of is a theme. I thought about the theme. And there's really no correlation between the movies we're going to be talking about in June. Aside from the fact that they're all brand new films. So they're all movies that have either come out this year or they're going to come out this year. Now, we're not going to shoot you with what days are going to be what. We're just going to hit you with... What's that? Don't pressure us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we will be doing... Yeah, (laughs) we're just two dudes. (laughs) We're going to have some crazy guests on the show. We... First up, just to, to... to talk about a banger of a film. Uh, It's probably the newest movie uh, that I've seen in recent, uh, uh, I don't know, I think I've watched some 2021 films. This one came out last year. Um, But we will have on the show with us, the director, and we'll be talking the movie with him. But we will have director Matthew John Lawrence on the show to talk about his film, Uncle Peckerhead. Now, it's I'm so hype on this because we watched the movie or I watched the movie. I don't know if you saw it yet. I haven't watched it yet. I can't wait for you to watch this. You're going to absolutely fall in love with this movie. I'm telling you, I was I'm hooked for like the in the first 10 minutes. I'm hooked. It's so sick. So I'll give you I'll give you the the, the quick little rundown that uh, uh, IMDb has for it. When a punk band scores their first tour, life on the road proves tough when they are joined by a man eating demon as a roadie. What the fuck? Like, yeah, how do you not love that? Let's fucking go. And it's it's filmed in our very local area of Philadelphia, PA. It's about a Philly punk band. So it's it's all very cool. Director is from Philly. So it's 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 exciting. It's exciting as fuck. Yeah, hands down. And then we will be talking about with the directors of Slash Lorette Party. And we will have AMP films on with us, which are directors Paul Ragsdale and Angelica de Alba. And Slash Rat Party came out last year as well. Uh, very excited to talk about this one. It looks like an old 80s. Oh, dude, everything about it just reminds me of the 80s, and that's why I'm sucked in and sold on it. And then let's talk about a really cool guest that we have. For the month of June because we talked about her film that she had starred in last year or this year it's not out yet it is out it's kind of out it's out it's out now but we'll have on with us the one and only Malice McMunn to talk about some cool ass shit she was in The Brides of Satan we just talked about that with Joe DeBizarro the director 
and oh, yeah. uh, that's yeah. going to be exciting to talk with Malice. And uh, yeah, we're gonna month. Oh, June's just going to be sick. I'm so hype, dude. Yeah, I, well, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Too. It did. Honestly. It did. Like in, in a matter of like weeks. <laughs> like, not, yeah. it didn't take long, you know and uh it's, it's pretty fucking cool man i mean you know i mean how could like where this is our 10th episode right oh yeah, yeah. so here we are we are at episode, episode 10. 10 so yeah we made digits congrats to us double we, digits we, baby cross that we crossed that threshold you know sky's the limit that's right yeah. which by the way one other thing i don't think we mentioned but we have to do uh, at some point, maybe when we record next episode, I think would be a great time to do so. Is uh, we cross a thousand followers? We sure do. And I know we made a promise, and we keep our promises here. We sure do. Asker, we're not a bunch of fucking thieves and liars. Don't ever call us that. I'm just threatening everybody on this episode, you motherfucker. No, but uh, um, <laughs> we got to do. We're gonna do something there. We're gonna do more than just a tape giveaway. We got a couple things we've been kind of tossing around. We still got to, you know iron out the details there but there will be a giveaway we will do it we'll we'll have some sort of interaction listener interaction there so i think that'll be fucking dope as well and uh it came right on right on point i said i think a few episodes ago it was going to come in about two weeks and it may have came less than that you know? uh, yeah and, i believe it came the week of the joe bizarro episode which was really cool yeah was very cool very very cool so we, we still got that to come as well um you know we got some uh i don't know if we want to give this away necessarily but it's not that we've really given anything away but you know new artwork coming oh yeah um you know which is gonna be sick and i think that'll lead into more opportunities down the line and maybe some stuff for listeners to get their hands on yeah let's say uh some physical tapehead massacre things yeah yep and if i see you out in the streets i'll buy you a beer if we're near an alcoholic stand your store or stand alcoholic stands he's got hot dogs and beer you know yeah that's exactly that'd be fucking sick dude that's a whole other business avenue i haven't even thought about Shit. hot dogs and some liquor get a little liquor license anyway different story different business mode but yes yeah we'll have something physical for you guys to have your hands on and fuck i need like stuff to like hand out you know kind of like a business card same we need all that all right so tyler yeah do you remember what i said to you a couple weeks ago i said do the thing oh dude you gotta give me a first of all guys you guys listen to this i am a man of uh i'm a man of riff i'm a riff man he's a riffage I'm i'm a riffage man i'm not a memory man i'm not a memory man i need a script now how about this I'll say right on this podcast, Caleb, because I'm a poor man of our word. Next episode, I'm going to do it. Oh, I'm shit. Gonna, I'm going to have a script in front of me, though, because if not, I'll fuck it all up. I will fuck it all up. So if we get a script, I will do the next one. You have my word. Okay. Here, right in the dark, abandoned room. It kind of looks like, by the way, it kind of looks like right now, even though the listeners can't see us, with the very dark, fuzzy glow and blue light backdrop that i'm in it kind of looks like i'm in one of those uh like facetime horror movies that oh, you see yeah. now uh, what was it uh, the one was called uh unfriended you're like what did you, did you see that did behind you? What's that? What's that? Who's in your room? Who's there? Who's there? Yeah, and I just get sucked off camera somewhere. Yeah, yeah. and then you just see the dead body in like the corner of the room. Yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of what this looks like right now. It does. Bit, which I can't lie. I shouldn't speak that into existence. I live in an old apartment, so who knows what's around me. But, <laughs> well, on that note, guys, 
Make sure to rate, review, subscribe. I'm gonna hit you, it's, it's cliche. It's cliche, and I say it, but here's the deal. Now, any time that you rate and review and subscribe to a podcast that you enjoy listening to, it puts us and other podcasts on more people's radar because there is a similar or a for you category on your preferred podcast platform. When you do those three things or one of them or a few of them, a mix up, whichever you prefer, when those things go into play, it helps us gain a larger audience. Now, we want y'all to come back every week and we want y'all to tell a friend. So, because we love just, we love, we love doing this. We really do. We really love doing this and we love how supportive and like cool this community is. Oh, for sure. It's engaged. It like, is. That's the best way I can describe It's like engaged. Like there's really a backing only off of 10 episodes. I mean, we had engagement from like our first episode on. So it's, you know, it's been there from since we started the thing, you know, and, uh, I mean, fuck it, man, it's, you know, working nine to five, like I am, it's a good thing to look forward to at an end of a week. And, yep. you know, we, we appreciate the fuck out of the support, but yeah, like you said, rate, rate reviews, subscribe. <laughs> and he got it. He's got it. He's on his way to doing the thing. Yes. This is step one, guys. This is step one in the program. Yeah. Um, but no, seriously, rate, review, subscribe, engage however you can, right? Shout us out, phone a friend. <laughs> I don't know, fucking, you know, get it around, man. Cause it's, uh, it's a cool thing for us to do. And the more people we get to like talk with and, you know, more people interact with us. It's just, uh, it's just a fucking cool thing from two dudes. who are just doing this a few hours out of their day, uh, you know, every week. Right. So, uh, we appreciate the hell out of it, but yeah, as much as engagement as you guys can get involved with, you know, we, we welcome it all. We appreciate it all. Yep, exactly. And, uh, yeah, and it is weekly. For some reason, Apple Podcasts has us list- listed as bi-weekly podcasts or bi-weekly episodes. We are not bi-weekly. We are weekly. So weekly. we will see you guys next week for Land of the Dead. I'm Caleb. I'm Tyler. And this is the Tapehead Massacre Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Deuces. There we go. Another one in the books.